This is New England Public Radio in Amherst and Springfield at 88.5, also in Pittsfield at 106.1 and at NPR.net. Y lo prometido es deuda. Les había comentado que tenemos uh, una invitada en la noche de hoy. Vamos a conversar con Lisa Brecker, directora de Relaciones Públicas y Desarrollo del de Centro Gandara, una organización sin fines de lucro. Y vamos a tener el gusto de conversar con ella y tiene bastante información bien importante. Our guest tonight is Lisa Brecker. She is the Director of Public Relations and Development at Gandara Center, which is a non-profit organization. So she has a lot of information that she would like to share with us. Good evening and welcome, Lisa. How are you? Hello, Raquel. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. And I know that um, you have a lot of things to share with us, but let us start by Uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and how long you have worked with this uh, organization. Of course, I uh, just joined Gandhara back in December, um, last December, and uh, my background had been in television, in fact, so this is the first time I get the joy of working for a nonprofit organization, which always was a personal goal of mine. Um, and when I found out about Gandhara, I started to learn more and more about them, and I realized that even though I was from the local area and I had heard of so many of their programs, I really had no um, handle on the scope of services that they've been providing the Valley for over 40 years. For over 40 years, yes. Wow. They have been around for a while. Yes. So, so uh, when you joined them, uh, what did you find out that you didn't know before? Because you said you had heard about them only a little bit. So what did you find out? Sure. So many people associate them with the outpatient services. They established in 1977 with the outpatient clinic, which is on Main Street. Um, it still operates on Main Street, actually. And I believe it just was so popular. It was really the first first agency of its kind, first service of its kind in the Hispanic community especially. It came out of a great need for some mental health counseling in the Hispanic community um, with, you know, providing some culturally competent and um, respected services that way to this community. And over the years, people associate it with that outpatient clinic. It had grown into some more outpatient services around addiction as well. But what people might not realize is how much we do uh, with both of those aspects of behavioral health um, and the connection to substance abuse in the area. We also um, provide a lot of youth residential programs uh, and then have a huge division of in-home therapy as well with a um, community service agency division. So it really runs the gamut. We, uh, we have programs, about 40 programs from Greenfield to Springfield. So I'm here to talk a little bit about some of those programs that people might not know um, so much about as they would with the outpatient. So now you have also, uh, uh, or, uh, you provide services in Greenfield also because I thought that most of it was localized in Springfield, but now it has expanded. It has expanded. We've actually even expanded out east. We now offer some of those community specialized services out um, in eastern parts of the state in Fitchburg, and we have um, a recovery support center in Brockton. We're also in the, uh, looking into the Fall River area. We have another support center about to open Hyannis, hopefully next month. So we have expanded quite, quite a quite bit. A Bed. Yes, yes, that's good. exciting. Good, that sounds really good. Now you mentioned uh, that you have a program for youth, and it's a residential program. When you 
two questions on that youth meaning from what ages and then residential meaning that they live there for for a period of time sure so our residential youth programs are um, we work with DCF and which is the Department of Children and Families and DMH the Department of Mental Health so those are closed referrals but we do have quite a bit of those residential homes and it, we have one that starts at infancy in fact till about six years of age um, and it goes all the way up to 18 we also have a um, a residence in Indian Orchard, the Indian Orchard section of Springfield that then deals with the transitional age, which is the 18 to 24 year old youth who may have been, you know, in the system their entire lives. And when they turn 18, um, they are no longer eligible for certain contracted programs. So this is a place to kind of, you know, um, really get them back into society and reintroduce them into the community. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that they are as young as infants and um, all in between up to the age of 18. And for example, if um, if a very young child needs services and residential uh, goes to the, resi the residential program and it's about five, six years old, uh, he or she will live there by themselves or with their family. How does that work? We have um, a staff 24 hours a day. Yeah. and. Most of those programs, the ultimate goal is reunification. So mm. uh, we take them in while the families or caregivers are getting their lives back together. Or in some instances, if there isn't a parent or guardian or caretaker in the picture, then we try to establish foster care. We also have a huge foster care program uh, that many people don't know about. Uh, so we run that. So we work very closely, those residential homes, with the foster care program. Mm. They're all within the same division to try to find a place for those children. Mm -hmm. My guest tonight is Lisa Brecker. She's the Director of Public Relations and Development at Gandara Center. How many programs are sponsored by this organization? We have over 40 programs, just over 40 at the last count. Quite <laughs> <laughs> um, a few. It, yes, it's hard to keep track, actually. And so many of the programs are so broad and so wide, so even though they might seem like just a division, they offer so much. So. As we were speaking of those residential homes, those are closed referral and they're referred cases by the state and sometimes the courts. But then we have an entire division dedicated to reaching out to the community and that are made available to um, their open referral. So it's specifically the um, specialized community service agency deals with youth suffering from severe emotional disturbances and their families. And that one's a really important one because within that division, there is just a number of programs depending on the needs and the severity of that youth's uh, behavioral issues. So that's that population profile specifically is very underserved, low income, minority, and just that and hard to reach. So it was really out of a need for people who have the need but might not be so willing to come into the outpatient clinics, might not be so um, so ready to call a DCF type of program and say, my child needs help, I can no longer really sustain them at home. So within that division, we go out into the community, we do outreach, and we we go to their homes. There's a huge movement in in-home in therapy. And it's really terrific. It, uh, there's a, a team, really, of people that rally around this family to support the youth, whether it's uh, an intensive care coordinator, which really coordinates the medical services. 
There's a family partner, which um, just offers support and training. It's a structured one-on-one focus for the parent and the caregiver on how to deal with that youth and address their emotional uh, and behavioral needs. Again, the services are provided in-home. It's all wraparound. Um, We help them navigate through education and health benefits, connect them to community programs and different resources. We might help them get um, food assistance. So there's a therapeutic mentor, which offers the one-on-one relationship with the youth directly to address daily living and social skills and just create effective and healthy peer interactions. And of course, the in-home therapy aspect to really just increase the family's ability um, overall to support that healthy functioning of a youth within the family, within their home, within the community, wherever that youth may be, whatever is most convenient for the family. They really, um, they kind of guide us in a way and tell us what's, what's appropriate within their home and within their culture and that's very respected and it creates quite a different type of service than some people might might attribute to behavioral health. If a person um, wants uh, to get any of the services that uh, the organization provides, do they need a referral or can they walk and ask for it? How does that work? It, it really depends. So again, some of those residential um, youth homes that we were speaking of, again, is closed referral. But the, the one that I, de- I just described is all um, you can self-refer. There could be a, you know, uh, lots of times the parents call us um, out of a need or the child's school might call. Um, those programs, usually it's um, a mass health we accept mass health that's we work very closely with them we also if people have a need and might not have mass health benefits then our first step is to connect them to that so we really do as much as we can to not turn someone away it's um you know there's no wrong door we're looking into that you might have heard that term and that's something we're really really invested in you walk in you might walk into the outpatient clinic on Main Street and we decide that your youth needs a little more of um, you know a one on one structured program, but going to the clinic might not be their thing. So then they get referred even within our agency. So with um, interagency referrals to these programs. Um, so yes, anyone really is eligible for those. Um, it depends again on the um, most of most of the youth is up to 18. Now, yeah, when we talked earlier, you had mentioned to me a program that is called Recovery Support Center. Now, this, as the name says, recovery, deals with um, alcoholism and substance abuse. Now, in this particular case, a person that is, for example, an alcoholic, he can walk to your office and say, I need help, and you would see them. Correct. So with the there's um, a couple different aspects to it. With the Recovery Support Center specifically, that is a self-referral. That is no insurance needed. I love this program. Mm. No insurance needed, um, no cost. And we have one open in Holyoke. In fact, so they're, they're funded by the Department of Public Health and the Bureau of Substance Abuse. They awarded the state 10 of these recovery support centers, and Gandhara is proud to host three of those. So we have 
have one in Brockton, and we have one in Holyoke that just opened this year. And then we are looking to open the one in Hyannis um, next month, hopefully. So yes, that um, it's we welcome people in recovery or those even just affected by substance abuse. So we may have family members who themselves don't have a problem, but we guide them on how to deal with someone in their family who does. Um, what's really special about those centers are their their peer to peer supports. So it's peer governed. Um, the staff mostly uh, comes from a lived experience. They themselves are in recovery. They, the members, we actually like to call them in those centers, they're members, they're not clients, because one of the most important things is, um, again, it's all peer governed. So the members come in, they form advisory boards, they hold committee meetings to create policies and bylaws, they create a code of ethics for the center, a code of conduct, um, they determine the program activities and participation in community events, there's volunteer opportunities for them. If they are, um, if they return over and over, if they're committed to the center, there's even stipend positions. So mm. they might um, run the Facebook page for the center or run the front desk or there's a, a million things. It really is up to them to even create those positions. In fact, um, it's open seven days a week. It's actually on Suffolk Street in Holyoke. And again, all paths to recovery are accepted. The only prerequisite is that you are committed and you are in recovery and we like to say you become a member the second you walk through the door um, and I've had the pleasure of actually really getting to know some of those members in the Holyoke Center and you know they um, they get a real sense of empowerment and it's a place to go they fight a battle that so many of us just can't ever quite understand day to day so um, it, they know that it's there and they know they can walk in and whether it's just to sit down and use the computer or if they need to talk to a recovery coach because they're having a really difficult day they um, there's relapse prevention there's different support groups um, anything really for, I mean even smoking cessation you know mm. so uh, just those are wonderful wonderful programs again and we're so proud proud to have three of them right here in Massachusetts. When the person uh, finishes uh, the program, do you do a follow-up to see how are they doing? How, how, how is that done? Well, so in addition to the recovery support centers, those um, what we really do very well is also we have residential recovery homes. So um, the residential recovery homes, there's um, three of them actually. So there's a 30-bed 30, a 30 women's home. Um, they're all long-term recovery for 18 plus. There's one in Holyoke, there's one in Springfield for men, and there's one in Northampton also for men. And the reason I'm bringing those up in relation to that question is those then also lead to a supportive housing program that we have. That's how we do the follow-up. Our our goal is to really guide these um, individuals through recovery, but then reintroduce them into society with the skills that they need. So there's psychotherapy offered, there's vocational training, there's support groups, but then there's the community interactions and activities. Um, we want them to leave with a resume in hand or even with a job. So when they stay at these residential recovery homes, so for example, in Holyoke, um, GRSW is for women. Uh, it's a six to 12 month average that someone stays with us. Nine to 12 months is really ideal. We have the capacity for um, pregnant and postpartum women even there. Mm. It's Yes, it's terrific, which is very, very hard to find, actually. And uh, we an annually see about, have 60 women go through the program and graduate from our uh, from that program. And then um, GARP is actually in Springfield, and that's a residential program specifically 
specifically for Hispanic males, which is really special as well. It um, has 42 beds. Um, specifically, you have to be of Hispanic descent. Um, and that is, you know, it's able to just target more into that that culture, that culturally competent kind of service that m- some people might seek out. And we see about 120 men annually through that program. And then we have a home in Northampton uh, that has about 17 beds um, for, again, for men. And so when someone completes those programs, our follow-up is really getting them into some sort of transitional supportive housing. So it's not just, okay, you say you're a covered um here's the community here you're you're unleashed back out you know and uh figure it out no no you know we we want to hold your hand a little bit longer as long as you need us to and that's where the supportive housing and case management programs come in so then we also have four of those um and there's one in holyoke and one in springfield one for men one for women and then there's two in northampton as well um and again those are all open open uh referral um and usually for those supportive housing situations where the ones our recovery uh, residential programs are the ones referring our individuals to the next step for us very good oh so you do have a a, a lot of uh, follow-up programs now uh, can you name me some of the other programs you mentioned that there are up to 40 programs and we have uh, talked about a couple of them can you just name some of them for us to get an idea of how wide the services are? Sure, sure. We have an entire pre- uh, preventative division as well. So we have a program that I love called Noel, and it's outreach that goes around and just speaks to people about the importance of cancer screening, breast mm. cancer, and colorectal. Yeah. Uh, we find such a huge high population of African Americans uh, facing the colorectal epidemic, and it we will go anywhere. We'll go to schools, community centers, senior centers, um, recovery homes, anywhere really that that will take us. And uh, those staff are so dedicated to going out there and really just taking the edge off and answering some questions and and um, creating just the knowledge and information around the importance. They'll even go to schools and speak to the youth so that the youth can take it back to their family and say, maybe, you know, mom, dad, grandma, whoever, abuela. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to get screened. You need to, uh, you need to stay healthy for me. So um, that's a huge program. We have um, we have uh, a lot of outpatient addiction um, addiction programs around. Let's say it, there's driver alcohol education. There's a batterers program. There's a gambling addiction program. There's an anger management program. Um, again, all the uh, the youth programs. There's um, there's the Star Homes, which is the um, rapid re reunification so again we take in that youth but the ultimate goal is getting them back in the home we have um, an arts enrichment program that we do with the youth called art song this wonderful woman Amy Porcelli uh, does art therapy with all of the youth in our residential programs and we actually um, had an exhibit a couple months ago at the Bing Arts Center who we partner with and it was just so amazing to walk through and just see these beautiful beautiful paintings and the kids who created them you know who they work so hard all year and then it culminates into this awesome exhibit and um, it really just again it's all therapeutic but they don't even know it's happening in a way you know it's uh, it's really special so gosh 
I'm trying to, uh, you know, I always, uh, the fear is that I'll forget someone because there's just so much. <laughs> you have a lot of um, there's, programs. Yes, and we have a, a great website, um, GandharaCenter.org, mm. where things are divided up and it's pretty user-friendly to just go on. And I encourage people to go on and look at the different divisions between our adult services and our child, uh, children's uh, and family services and, um, re- you know, recovery and addiction services. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in order for you to um, have uh, these wonderful programs, I'm sure you uh, need lots of money, lots of grants. Do you are you funded by the state, by uh, or fi- by the federal government? How how are you funded? We are. So many of our programs are. Um, we're lucky enough to have an amazing grant writer and lots of really talented people um, in, on our staff that way. So we get a lot of um, federal and state grants, but there are some things you know that we fundraise for. Um, and we started to realize a need for some support for our clients around things that aren't necessarily funded by contract dollars, aren't covered, um, in, in you know by services alone that way. So. We created something called the Family Fund a couple years back, and that's traditionally what we've been fundraising for is around that. A Family uh, Fund. Yes. Okay. So So this is uh, funded strictly by... uh, Fundraising, correct. Ah, so, ah. yes. So, the family fund is uh, strictly fundraising, and it's a case by case basis. Of, um, it really is up to the staff. So, so many again, like I described, the in home therapy type programs. Our staff are in the home. They they become really part of that family, and they they start to see a need around things that might not be so evident in just a counseling session. So, that staff might reach out to to me and say, um, you know, I, I have this youth who's doing really, really well and thriving, and uh, the whole family is just taking so so much interest in the treatment plan, and um, I noticed that he's still sharing a bed with, you know, an older sibling, and I really think that he would uh, benefit from having his own space. And so the family might not be in a financial situation to provide for that, so we reach out and we help that way, and we'll get some furniture or a bed for the youth. Um, our occupational therapists have seen a real, real benefit to weighted blankets for our youth suffering from severe emotional disturbances. And uh, those blankets can cost up to $250 each. And some programs cover it, some contracts cover it, but others don't. So um, we'll, you know, go ahead and we'd love to buy a weighted blanket for a youth. I mean, <laughs> who, you know, what? It, these are all like no-brainer situations. We've, we've had people reach out, unfortunately, who have gone through I just had someone recently actually call, and they were so distraught. The, the staff themselves were so distraught because the family had um, had been burglarized mm. and lost everything. Um, you know, so we the the family was really really upset that they they were excited for the youth to actually go back to school and start school in September, and now they have no money to buy him clothes. So we were able to. Um, get them a Walmart gift card and the staff took them shopping for clothes. And it's just those things that so many of us take for granted that really lightens the load when someone's already experiencing some hardships. Being able to provide clothes for your child to go back to school in September and feel like everybody else is really, really huge. Um, There's also, sometimes there's funeral costs. We might hear from, we had a client actually, um, a father and daughter who were being seen at our outpatient clinic uh, fairly recently and they they were thriving they were doing so well and the uncle who lived with them 
um, the, the father's brother, he passed away suddenly. So the family was grieving from that and they were still seeking counseling and even more so around that. And suddenly, um, two months later, the father passed away, our very own client. So his uh, 17-year-old daughter was reeling from losing her uncle and her father and really being left with no other family and how to pay mm. to give them both proper burials. So we were able to pitch in some funeral, to help with some funeral costs. So mm. those are the things that, although we're so lucky to receive the funding we do, we it's, it doesn't necessarily um, pay for those unforeseen circumstances. Exactly, exactly. Some of these uh, grants, uh, uh, the money does not cover any of these other um, things that happen in a home. Now, when you do your fundraising, do do you um, do it uh, out into in the community? How do you do it? And do you have any activity coming up? Yes, actually. So um, in the past, they've done a walk, uh, and they've uh, they've relied on you know the the uh, staff and clients to come out, and they seek sponsorship, of course, in the community. And I followed that route a little bit, but I decided to spice things up a little bit this year. <laughs> And um, we're doing a frozen yogurt 5K, in fact, next Sunday. And uh, I really, um, you know, I walked into my wonderful executive director's office, Henry Eastrew, and when I told him I want to do a frozen yogurt 5K, he um, probably wanted to send me to the outpatient therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, thought, you know, well, that's an odd idea. And um, it's really taken off, in fact. So we reached out to sponsors and we had this wonderful company, Go Berry, out of um, Northampton, sponsor us in the form of frozen yogurt. And we ask people to come out and pay $25 to run. And it's right in downtown Northampton. Uh, it does this wonderful route starting on Main Street up towards Smith College and around and ends down on Gothic Street. And it's happening next Sunday. And we have over 130 people registered. Yay. And yes, I'm so <laughs> excited. And so all that money, the proceeds go directly to the family fund. And then all our wonderful sponsors who have um, helped us to actually put on the event um, and to donate to the family fund as well. So it should be really exciting. And can, can the people register on the same day or is yes. this closed? So we will have open um, day of registration, ah. but we encourage people to register online. So ah. the registration is actually still open until Wednesday at 5 o'clock. So you can go on runreg.com and type in frozen yogurt 5K and it'll come right up. Or if not, we have a link on our website. You'll uh, When you log into gandharacenter.org, you'll see it right away, the frozen yogurt 5K, and you could click on it and it'll have a link to register right online and uh, it'll be great we have this wonderful DJ Tradicion who's going to be joining us and kind of emceeing and just providing some music and we'll have t-shirts and granola bars and you could find out a little bit about the agency while you're down there as well and what's really exciting for me this year is um, our recovery support centers are actually uh, coming out and walking in the name of recovery which is, is such a special thing to kind of bust through that stigma you know some of our clients are coming, which is a really important piece for us to just burst through the stigma of mental health and substance abuse and say, you know, I'm in recovery or I'm seeking help for my well-being. It's it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes they're uh, their own best ambassadors. Mm -hmm. The name of the yogurt, uh, 
how I thought that <laughs> that you meant that maybe the, everybody had to bring yogurt to register. But <laughs> oh, that's funny. I should mention. Well, the the frozen yogurt piece is that I'm sorry that everyone at the end gets um, a free frozen okay. yogurt. So, right. That's yes. a surprise. That's a surprise. That's, yes. Right? yes. And where does it start? Uh, it starts the staging areas at the Council of Governments building right across the street near the courthouse. If people oh, are yeah? familiar with yeah. Northampton, right across the street from the Calvin Theater. Right. And yeah. at what time? It starts at 9 o'clock. It kicks off, but registration begins at 8.30. If people want to come a little mm -hmm. earlier, if they're registering right. the day of, that would be helpful. Right. Um, and yes, it's $25 to register. I should say there's also a two-mile walk option. Um, you know, some people are really into running, but mm -hmm. their family or spouses or what have you might not be, so they can still do it together. And there's a two-mile walk that um, is pretty much the same loop, just cuts across one of the side streets a little earlier. And there's also a category for 12 and under, which is free to register. So we thought that was kind of special to do just to get, um, you know, youth into these types of healthy recreational activities and to maybe run with their with, with their families. There's also um, a $50 gift card to the East Side Grill, thanks to um, our friends at um, the Ater Fitzgerald Attorneys at Law. They donated a $50 gift card for the winner, first place adult. And then we'll have fun finishers, medals first, second, and third place in both the adult and the children's category. Very good. That sounds like fun. So that's this Saturday, did you say? Uh, this Sunday, Sunday, August 30th. August 30th. Okay, yes. Sunday. Yes. Be there around 8.30 then. Correct. And you could register online at runreg.com. It's R-U-N-R-E-G. Right. And in the worst of the cases, you still can go and register on the same day. Correct. This is a, for a great, great cause. Oh, thank you so, so much for that great information. And thank Lisa, you. good luck on all these uh, events. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Raquel, for having us on. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you. My guest tonight was Lisa Brecker, Director of Public Relations and Development at Gandara Center. You are in tune to Tertulia. I am Raquel Obregón. <laughs> 